are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Steve Angel. I got my buddy Nick on the other end of the line. How's it going, sir? Uh, it's going pretty good, man. Not doing a whole lot, but it's going all right. What about you? Yeah, trying to uh, trying to get through from day to day without the internet just completely ticking me off. Trying to do a few home repairs, uh, you know, just pretty much say and making strings. Huge, huge string order from Bob Rum last week, so I'm trying to wrap that up before uh, before actually before the end of the day tomorrow because I'm I've got some plans for the weekend, but uh, you know, can't complain. Yep, we just have. Uh... You know, we're just doing that for at least the first trimester of school there. We're doing virtual learning, and uh, it's tough. Uh, I got one in fifth grade and one in uh, third grade. The fifth graders got a lot of – Aubrey's got a lot of homework right now, and uh, we're just trying to kind of get through it. And, uh, you know, she's diagnosed ADHD, so we're uh, – you know, she's got the exact – thing that she has I, I I do not know um it's written down on paper somewhere but she uh she's she had a little bit of hard time adjusting she's really social and um she's easily distracted so we've <laughs> we're spending a lot of time on homework right now man and like every every time I got in fact I was going to fish two days last weekend and scout and didn't do any of it I just uh, I had so much homework with her that we had to get it done that yeah it was crazy. It's just because she was behind. So so she gets distracted easy. Where did she get that from? Yeah, I know. I know. I probably should be medicated too uh, for that, among other things. But I'm sure, uh, I'm sure if you ask a dozen people that know me, that you'd get a dozen answers that I should be medicated too. So. Oh, yeah, man. She uh, And, you know, they're doing good. You know, it was only the second week. We're, we're getting into our routine now. And uh, and other than that, man, I gotta, I gotta say, by the time that this thing comes out, we'll have celebrated my wife Jessica's fortieth birthday, and that's on Sunday. So I have to say, happy birthday, honey. And she probably don't want me to tell anybody, but I'm gonna. No. Because <laughs> I've been, I've been. She came, she came to me with an ultimatum on Saturday. It wasn't really an ultimatum, but it was like, here's what I want. I want a chocolate cake with butterscotch. None of that fake crap. I want. The chores done. I want you to handle the kids. I want margaritas. I want this. I want this. And you're gonna do it because every time you have a birthday, you sp- I spend way more time on you than you do on me. So I was like, all right. Well, so, I guess I got so, no argument. So here's my suggestion to you: a really, really fancy chocolate cake mm-hmm. and a few really, really strong drinks, and then just lie and tell her you did everything else. <laughs> no, i'm just kidding we if, got, Jess we li- if Jess listens to this i'm gonna tell her you put me up to that well Be- bella get a kick out of this we actually we're doing a we're doing a harry potter kind of thing this weekend we're we're going to see we have a really nice drive-in movie that i wish there was more of these in the world i don't know why there's not especially now but we're we got a real nice dr- drive-in called getty drive-in in muskegon and we're gonna go see last weekend we saw sorcerer's stone and this week and we're going to go see take the kids to see uh, prisoners es- prisoner escaban and um you know we got some other i got some like little gifts for her and stuff like that and she's got a she's got a actually a skype call with two of her best friends who are ones in colorado and ones uh ones on the other side of the, the country so 
it, it'll be really fun for her, you know. I, I'm I'm excited about it. You know, it don't really bother me at all, but it bothers her a lot. You can tell, so it's gonna be a gonna be a tough one, I think. But we'll have fun. But. Well, sounds like you got a sounds like you got a a lot of plans going on, man. Oh yeah, I do, and I and I got to start thinking about. In fact, uh, John Mudry today was like, "Are we having are we having deer camp?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, we're having deer camp. I'm going to deer camp. Hell, it might be the only thing I do all year." So, <laughs> so we're we're talking about that right now too, and I got to get a whole uh, a couple other fellas and uh, and see what's going on there. But I am looking forward to that, and I am looking forward to the start of the season coming up here. Ours is on uh, October one, so it's it's coming up. Well, I'm planning to I'm planning to get out the first time this coming weekend, but uh, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit as part of. Uh, part of our discussion with our guest because it it does apply so we're going to get to him he's been sitting here patiently waiting we i reached out to this gentleman after we recorded our uh what would aldo say uh episode because we did mention we did mention him in that in that uh in that episode and and he was a key player in that discussion and i thought he would potentially have some additional uh input on the topic uh, but who knows where this conversation is going to go. But anyway, joining us tonight, we've got Mr. Sean Clarkson. How's it going, Sean? It's going all right, buddy. How are you? Hi, fantastic. I, if I if I could complain, I would. Nobody would care. But I really, honestly, don't have anything to to complain about unless you start talking about politics, and we're not going to do that. So no. So uh, yourself. Oh, hey, my granddaddy told me a long time ago, any day above grass is a good day. Uh, so I started that, that I started the day that way. Hopefully I finished it that way. You sound like Mr. Kent Rollins, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I've been accused of worse. You need to go back and listen to uh, our our rec- most recent episode. Uh, oh, I got you. Yep. He's yep. a cowboy chef, and he, he has a very similar saying to that that he, he says all the time, so had to had to work that in but so sean i guess you know i i know nick knows you i know you i know there's a lot of folks out there that do know who you are but we probably have some listeners that just don't know who sean clarkson is so tell us a little bit about yourself well and you probably have some that know me and wish they didn't Uh, (laughs) this may be true but that's okay (laughs) uh i'm a native virginian born and raised in central virginia uh after that, there's a line out of a Grateful Dead tune, and I am anything but a deadhead um, that goes, what a long, strange trip it's been. Well, that's pretty much it. Uh, what I do right now is I work in nonprofit development. I, I uh, assist in finding funding for nonprofit organizations, programs, initiatives, etc. Currently employed by, uh, by a very prominent Tier 1 research institution uh but uh, that shall remain nameless but it's easy to figure out and i know uh we were talking about this before i I pressed record and that's actually how you and i first met and got to know each other we were we were on a i'm not we're not going to get into names but let's just say we were we were in a facebook group um with one of the nonprofit organizations related to the outdoors we'll leave it at that and some discussion was going back and forth and at the time uh some of the questions that i was asking at the time i was i was kind of the the outsider you know it was 
and you, you chimed in and basically was saying some of the same things. Anyway, from there, we just kind of got – we connected on Facebook, and we've been chatting back and forth on Facebook and by phone ever since, and that's been – A couple gosh, years. Probably a couple years now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I will say for, for anyone listening, uh, we – we're going to talk about some different things tonight, but you really did a fantastic episode uh, on Kafaro Cast. I think it was episode 240 for anyone that wants to go out and give that a listen about nonprofits. Extremely good episode, extremely good information about, you know, if you're thinking about um, contributing money, becoming a member, whatever you want to call it, to a nonprofit organization, how to. Uh, do your research and and understand if that nonprofit really aligns with you know your your beliefs and and uh, is doing what you feel like should be done for whatever that for that whatever that nonprofit. This isn't just outdoors related, but I think you know specifically the listeners of this show are probably more concerned with hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, those kind of things. So, but anyway, it was it was a very good episode. I'm glad I listened to it. Thank you for putting yourself out there for that. Uh, well, it got eventful, that's for sure. Um, yeah, Aaron and I had a great conversation there, and uh, I really appreciate the thoughtfulness he put into it of, of just asking um, non-specific questions and, and really just trying to put together a roadmap and, and lay that out, which is what we tried to do. But, uh, you yeah, know, it went from there. But uh, that's about all we need to do on that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, I, that that horse has been dead a while. <laughs> <laughs> you well, yes and no. I mean, it's look. I mean, well, here's we got the, a zombie horse. <laughs> no, I was just I was just going to say it's still relevant. Whether it's yes. whether you know, I, well, it doesn't matter. My 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 opinions, my thoughts, my biases to or against one organization might be different than nicks or anybody else i i think where the value in that in that episode and some of the knowledge that you well not some of the knowledge that you brought to that episode is applicable for anybody um you know it's no different we were talking about we briefly mentioned politics it's no different about politics you're on one side typically you're either one side or the other or maybe sometimes in the middle but you've definitely got opinions thoughts beliefs and if you're spending your money on an organization you need to know that it it aligns with what your beliefs are again it does so anyway we'll we'll quit beating that horse uh <laughs> but I, I did we did reach out to you about you know we had the the discussion about um ethics a, a few weeks ago and you were pivotal pivotal part of that conversation because once again this this thread that came up, I think there were a total of four people that I saw before I finally just abandoned the, the thread altogether that were kind of on the same page that I was and that Nick was, and you were one of those voices, and I, uh, and I knew you. So, you know, I, I wanted you to come on the show because you're a, a little bit of a, a different mold, a different breed as far as, you know, the, the hunting aspect of things. In that, you're probably. I was wondering where you were going with that. You're, you're probably. <laughs> you're probably where I was as far as from a, a, a hunting perspective and and the the various methods that you uh, go afield with that I was 20 years ago. Um, in that you 
you do uh, hunt with traditional gear. You shoot traditional gear, but you also hunt with about everything else. We were joking about before we started that you know you would chunk rocks at them if it was illegal. Um, and I and I and I told you I said, well, it ain't illegal. That's right. That's right. So, I guess the first question: where you know from a from an ethics from a doing the right thing, treating people right in the outdoors, that kind of thing. You know, where where do you feel those values were instilled in you, Sean? Oh, they were instilled in me long before I was born. They were instilled in me probably generations before I was born. I mean, I, the, the ethics that I have, you know, any of the good ones anyway, um, they were passed on to me by my, my granddad and my uncles, and they, they learned them from generations prior. I mean, that. Where, where did it come from? Uh, I mean, that's further back than I could probably probably could imagine at this point. Uh, but I mean, they it's always just been handed down of this is the way we do it, and and you you know you follow the rules and you know you do the right thing even when somebody else isn't looking uh, because you know and the next morning you got to get up and look in the mirror. So I thought about this a little bit after. Nick and I finished our, our what would Aldo say conversation. And one thing that did not come up in our conversation that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks later, and I was shocked I, that neither one of us mentioned it is, this comes back to, to me, everything that we talked, that we talked about on that episode and the things that, you know, you were sharing in the, the discussions on that, on that Facebook thread it all kind of comes back to that golden rule thing that absolutely I know you grew up with. I grew up with. Uh, I can't speak for Dick, but I'm assuming he grew up with. Oh it too. yeah, definitely. And I kind of wonder sometimes where that went. Um, Sean, I, I mean, I, I just heard you say it. I'm assuming that you had you had mentors, family family mentors that you grew up with learning to do things in the outdoors, fishing, hunting, et cetera. Is that, is that true? Accurate? Uh, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm blessed to still have a couple of them around. Well, I would definitely agree that that is, is truly a blessing. Nick, I know your dad spent time in the outdoors. I, 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 I know it was, there was a lot of fishing and so forth, but um, would you say any of your, uh, we'll just call them ethics or your beliefs with regards to, you know, sharing the woods and the streams and waters with other people. Did that come from your dad? Mainly my dad. Yep. Um, I mean, I had five uncles that all hunted too and did things. Um, and, but also my grandfather, um, my grandfather on my dad's side, uh, he had a hunting camp, well-known hunting camp in town where, you know, they played poker and, and cooked a lot. And you know, the, the barber was a member and I went to him and got my hair cut for free because of dues and, and stuff like that. I mean, they were, you know, that just gives you an example of how tight knit the community was. And, you know, my grandpa was definitely a, a sportsman and a, in a, in a collective, a social sportsman too. Um, a lot of upland hunting. Um, it was definitely a social thing for him. And it was the, it was the same kind of ethics and whatnot then, um, that went down to my dad went to me so right. and it probably went further to that to my great-grandfather Noah as well and beyond um, so yeah I mean they're 
you know, there, there was always a, a view way. And on the other side, there was a Stemke way. So, I mean, I always, you know, I grew up under that yoke. So, yeah, now don't, now don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, I grew up red dirt country poor. Um, and if anybody knows what red dirt and, and the mid-Atlantic and southeast means, that's that's in between the hard rock on top of the hill and the, and the fertile dirt on the, in the river bottom. This is basically where you can grow crab grass and, and maybe green beans. Um, and horse nut. So, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, yeah, and a, and a whole lot of poison ivy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, there was there were a lot of mouths that depended on on food that got brought into the house, however it came in there. Uh, my paternal grandmother was was born long, long ago. I mean, Lord rest her, she's she's long gone now. But she's a child of the depression. I mean, her favorite meals uh, would be. Uh, they would be violations of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. Let's put it that way at this point. Uh, and it was her favorite thing to eat. Uh, and, you know, so, I mean, there was, I, I'm not trying to say that that, that uh, the folks that raised me were, you know, some type of, of saints, but you you tried to do the right thing. And, I mean, the, the conversation originally started around, well, if I found somebody's stand on public land, can I use it? Well, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I found somebody's boat at the public boat launch. Can I just get, jump in it and go? I mean, he might be in the bathroom. The, the answer to that is no. Um, I mean, it, you just use a little common sense. And if you ain't got any common sense, go find somebody you can borrow some from. And it doesn't have to be illegal to be the wrong thing to do. No, I can think of a whole lot of things that are illegal that are wrong and a whole lot of things that are, <laughs> that are, that are illegal that are right. But, you know, it's just one of those like, well, no, wait a minute. Why in the world would you even ask that question? And, and you know, it's funny, Sean, that you, you say that you went there because here's where I, you know, here's where I was kind of going with that whole golden rule thing and was really a bit frustrated at myself that I didn't, I didn't think about that. I can probably count on one hand the amount of times my dad took me and or my brother hunting. And it was, it was squirrel hunting, usually. Um, and it would typically be, you know, a couple hours one morning and, and then it was back to work. I mean, I, I grew up on a farm. It was, it, was, it was work all the time, right? And I don't recall other than if you're not going to eat it, don't kill it. That was, you know, that was one of the lessons that I learned. Never yeah, that's got me to eat a whole lot of things that most people would look through, kind of sideways <laughs> yeah, at, too, yeah, I tell you. Yeah, it makes you think before you pull the trigger, doesn't it? No, mo at this time, it, it, most of the time now, it doesn't. It'd be like, well, if I ate that, I could probably eat this. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I can make that taste good. <laughs> I, I can probably make that taste all right, you know. Yeah. I'll just tell the wife, that's squirrel. That's the biggest doggone squirrel I've ever seen. Trust me, honey, it's a squirrel. That's a fox squirrel. We're fine. No. <laughs> uh Never point, never point your gun at anything you don't intend to shoot. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was uh, uh, every gun's always loaded, always treat it like it's loaded. And honestly and truly, I think that's pretty much it. I well, I had you're never going down what we talk about in hunter education. Right. I mean that's that that was but that you got you got to understand. I grew up. I grew up on a tobacco farm, and we probably I probably had somewhere in the neighborhood, and this will really make some people envious, but I probably had somewhere in the neighborhood of 700 to 1,000 acres of private land 
I hadn't set. I never set. I didn't set foot on a piece of public land to hunt until I had moved to Atlanta and had probably been living or the Atlanta area. I moved to Georgia. I don't live in Atlanta, um, but probably five years after I moved, because when I first moved here, I was trying to establish a new career. I'd been self-employed my whole life. Was starting a new family. I mean, I had a lot of responsibilities. Um, so. It, it, I don't feel like it's with me at least it's not that I was taught those values from an outdoors perspective but I learned pretty pretty doggone quick growing up what the right thing was and the wrong thing was and I tell you right now even to this day if I think about doing something that's even remotely wrong towards another individual the first thing I start feeling is the, that big number 13 boot my dad wore, wore right in the seat of my britches I mean but that's just the way I was raised. Yeah. Well, uh, and it's interesting that you bring up, you know, the how we were raised, and you know, you said you had that many property, property, or that much property to hunt. And I was got, to, I was thinking in my head, I don't remember the first time I saw a posted sign. I, I mean, where I grew up, there just won't no posted land. I mean, it was it was all private, yeah, but none of it was posted. You know, you knew who to go ask permission because that's just what you were supposed to do right but if you got up there and you were you know you were trailing a deer you'd shot or you know your hounds got going one direction or your dogs got going this way that way you just went and i mean we knew where we knew where there were some public land you weren't supposed to hunt and called you know parks and such you know you knew where those lines were and then, you know, eventually you knew where there were some, some folks that had moved in, some, you know, some, some come here type people that, that weren't from that area that, that put up posted signs. And those were the first ones we ever saw. But other than that, you just, I mean, you went and you knocked on the door and like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Mr. and Mrs. You know, Johnson or, or whatever, you know, would you mind if, you know, if I'm up there hunting, would you mind if I hunted through the backside of your property up there? Oh, no, go right ahead. You know, we've seen these deer over here, this turkey over here. Please come shoot these squirrels out of the chestnut tree. Or It's, it's just, the way, just the way things were. And, it, and, I, and I get it. I understand that it's a different world these days. I do. I understand it. And, and, I, and I'm sorry. That, that folks don't have the same opportunities that I did growing up. And it wasn't a, you know, I mean, we were just all like that. I mean, Nelson County, Virginia, where I grew up, was about 14,000 people. It was probably, oh, about 50-50 uh, as, far as, as far as, you know, color of skin tone. But most of the families had been there long enough. They were all kind of related one way or the other anyway. And it was all kind of the same thing. You just you just went where you needed to and you hunted and all the rest of it. There weren't a lot of deer. Um, if you killed a deer of any description in any way, shape, or form, man, you talked about that until the next hunting season. And if you killed a decent buck, and I mean something that was something that these days we would say would be, you know, a two and a half year old eight pointer, you know, 120 class, it, you're probably going to get on the front page of the paper. And and it's just a different world. I get it. I understand that. But at no point ever would I have ever thought about, oh, well, hey, somebody else got a tree stand over there. Why don't I just crawl up in this thing and sit? That just didn't happen. Well, somebody's left a canoe over here by the side of the, you know, Lake Nelson or, or, or Lake Monacan. Let, let me just jump in that thing and take it for a You just didn't do that. And I, and I don't understand where that kind of concept comes from. And that's really what we try to get through to folks now. And I'm, I'm on a soapbox, so I'm going to stand here for a minute. 
um, you know, when we when we teach hunter education, we we make sure that we go through you know what the rules are. Yes, of course, but we also try to go through what the unwritten rules are. You know, just think about it and. And I can tell you that it is never the younger kids that have a question like, well, what if, you know, if I get a six or eight or 10 or 12 year old kid in the class like that, they just kind of look at you and nod like, yep, okay, I get it. And it's the folks that are old enough, and I'm going to go ahead and use the phrase, they're old enough to know better, Mm -hmm. that give you a, well, what if? And I know for a fact that they've got a specific instance in their head of, well, I know where the stand is. I wonder if I can come up with some excuse to where I will convince myself it's okay to do this. And and you're looking for somebody else to, to help you justify it. Right. And I have always heard this, you know, if you have to ask yourself how or why, the answer is you probably shouldn't. Yep. You know, it's an it's an interesting point you brought up there, too, that I hadn't actually thought about. And as you were talking about it, I started thinking about it because I, I may have been closer than most to seeing some of those changes. Uh, you're talking about the posted signs, and I agree with you. When I was growing up, the only time you saw a posted sign was if someone had had specific problems that required they put up a no trespassing or posted sign. But generally, yep. you just didn't see them on property borders like you do now. Yeah, you would see it on a fence gate. Exactly. Uh, or, you know, on the on the oak tree in somebody's yard if they, you know. But it wasn't, like you, like you said, it wasn't property boundaries marked with no posted or no trespassing signs. And you know what, and I know you thought of it the same way I did. You know what a posted sign back then meant? Ask. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Don't just assume that so, you can. So go I, ask. I probably go back a little bit further than that. Um, and here's where I, here's where I was going with that 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 thought was, what changed? What changed? And don't get me wrong. I know everything changes, but I know what I saw growing up, and what caused those signs to start going up, and what caused property to be off limits and and hey look there's there's books written by people that are are published on how to get and i won't say the whole book but there are sections in those books that are focused on how to go about getting permission to hunt private property yep and being someone that was on on that private land um was a custodian for the landowner that we were you know, renting and leasing the land for agricultural purposes. I can tell you what started a lot of it. What started it was the same attitude that we're talking about here of if you, if you, if you think you might shouldn't do something, you probably shouldn't do it. This, the, the posted signs that I saw start going up was because people wouldn't bother to ask permission. Well, it's not posted, so therefore I can go on there and hunt it. That is no different of an attitude than, well, nobody's in that tree stand. There's no reason why I can't hunt it. That's right. Nobody's in that house. I'm going up in there and help myself to the refrigerator. So I guess my point there is this is is the same thing that's been seen before, and it you people should think about where this behavior is going to lead. 
quit thinking well, about where it's going to put you today. It's going to give you easy access without the work of a stand to hunt in. And think about where it where it's going to lead. Because that's exactly what happened with private land and all of it being posted. And and instead of letting people hunt, they, they and you can argue this all you want to, that's where they started charging and leasing land because then there was an agreement. Yeah. Well, and you know, this hunting used to be hard. I mean, you remember, you remember when we didn't have any deer. I remember the first deer I ever saw. Right. I, that's exactly. Think about it. Now, how many did you see today? Well, I've been sitting in my home office all day, so I didn't see any today, but I know what you're, <laughs> I know what you're getting at. I, I saw seven today, and I haven't left the house. You know, out the front door and out the back door. I've, I've seen seven. I, man, I can remember years where I didn't see seven deer in a year. And that included riding up and down the roads, riding on a school bus, hunting, everything else. Hunting used to be hard. And it used to be fun. Now, I mean, it ain't hard. I can kill deer anytime I want to kill a deer. I, I'm not bragging. You know, it. I, I cannot recall the last season I went through where I did not tag multiple deer. And it just is what it is. And, it, and, and, it, and it's gotten to be... It's some type of weird competition. It's like, oh, well, I only kill three and a half year old or four and a half or five and a half. I only kill this size. I only kill them on public land. I only kill them on private land. I only kill them on land that has this type of tree grown on it. I only kill them on Wednesdays that have a full moon following. I mean, really? Just go have some fun. If it makes your heart pump, go for it. But it, it, it's just this weird kind of... It's just this weird situation now where it's like why have we made this so doggone complicated and when did it stop being fun when did we try to figure out how to cut cut around corners and, and skirt the rules and just for something that is easy and when did because, we develop such the mentality that we felt we were our, because we're not our, talking about our, people. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. We're not talking about people chasing 200 inch bucks that are. Can I hunt this tree stand? Well, it's even for, for me. It's even more than that, Sean. It's why does the fact that you are a licensed hunter and purchased a tag and bought your equipment, where in that equation does that equate to you get to tell me how how and what I can hunt and shoot? And if I don't follow your prescribed or your your mental image of what I'm supposed to be doing, then it's your responsibility to shame me. Yeah, I don't get that at all. I mean, I, I just, I don't. I don't get that one bit. Um, where I grew up, um, Nelson County was a big dog county. I mean, and I and and again, I mean, you grew up in the same era I did. Toward the end of the season, the happiest thing that could happen to you was hearing somebody's dog run. It didn't matter if it was a house dog. I mean, it could have been a Chihuahua. If that thing is out there in the woods barking, there was hope. There might be a deer somewhere in that state that was going to run somewhere near you. And it was, man, that was awesome. And, you know, and I mean, I understand that there's some guys out there that run hounds that are that are as disreputable as, as folks that, that hunt somebody else's tree stand or cut fences or you do any of the other foolishness. But, I mean, you want to talk about a bunch of hunters that get shamed? 
the guys that run hounds and they do it right, you know, they get shamed more than anybody else. But it's like, okay, well, well, what what stops there? Then it's okay. Well, I don't like people that shoot bears, or I don't like people that shoot coyotes, or I don't like people that do this, that, the other. Okay, well, that's fine. It's not your cup of tea. Leave them alone. They ain't done nothing wrong. Leave them alone. Just go back to having fun. I mean, just if somebody else wants to shoot the first legal buck that comes by that has nubbins just above the hairline, well, that's their tag. Let them do it. I mean, and then turn around and congratulate them for it. Hey, man, fantastic, great deer. You know, congratulations. And 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 move on. I mean, it just, I was, I was teaching a hunter education course, and it's been probably three years ago now. And uh, had this young fellow after the class come up. And, you know, this is one of the best parts of the whole class is afterwards when you get to meet everybody that's been in there and listen to, you know, rather boring material all day. And, uh, you know, we're swapping stories and pointers and this, that, the other. And this, this young fellow comes up, and he's, he's young. He, he's, if he was a teenager, he'd just become a teenager. So that kind of gives you the age range. And he comes up and he says, oh, hey, um, uh, can, let me show you this deer. I was like, all right, cool. So he pulls out his phone and he shows me these pictures. Oh, he's got some nice deer. I said, man, these are awesome. Well, do you think this deer is mature? Excuse me? Well, is this a mature buck? Well, I mean, son, there ain't but one way to tell, and that's after he's dead. Why? Well, I only want to shoot a mature buck. And that kind of caused me to stop for a second. I'm like, what do you mean you only want to shoot a mature buck? Because I'm thinking to my, myself, and I'm going to wait a minute here. You're taking a hunter education course. Uh, that means that you haven't been doing this very long. You might have had two years under an apprentice license. You might have hunted before you needed that. And he said, well, I only want to shoot, you know, bucks that are mature, at least three and a half, this, that, the other. And I looked at him and I said, well, how many deer have you killed? None. Mm-hmm. None? Well, no, sir, none. I said, well, how many years have you been hunting? Two. Well, how many deer have you passed? Well, I passed this buck and this buck and this buck, and he passed these does. And I mean, he passed several dozen deer. I said, okay, well, you passing all those deer, but you've never killed a deer? No, sir. Son, don't worry about how old that deer is. Just worry about whether or not you can make the shot. I said, you got to learn how to start killing some deer and what to do with them how to track them, how to, you know, you got to start learning all the nuts and bolts before you worry about whether or not this thing is, you know, three and a half years old or two and a half years old or whether it scores, you know, some arbitrary number or not. And it just kind of blew me away. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how is this fun for him? And I mean, that's kind of the flip side of it. You know, we're, we're taking the fun out of it. We wonder why we have problems with, with, R3, recruitment, retention, and reactivation. Well, we're taking the fun out of it. Well, I only shoot a mature deer, and you're, you know, now you're several years into it. You don't know how to hunt. It's become, it's, that's not fun. You know, you're sitting out there freezing or getting drowned wet, and you're passing up stuff because you just don't know what you're doing. You haven't learned it the hard way, and you're going to quit. And, and the flip side of that is the, the, this concept of an instant hunter which just baffles me. The, okay, well, I'm going to push somebody through a hunter education course, then I'm going to go stick them in a stand. And we can't bait here in Virginia, but you can you can get pretty doggone close to it with, with ag fields and with, with you know uh, food plots and such. 
Uh, and in other states, you can you can bait like North Carolina. I mean, you can you can throw anything out there on the ground, and their curl will eat there. And we take them out there, and it's like, okay, well now sit right here, and at four fifteen, this deer's going to come out and shoot it. Okay, well where's the challenge? And where and and then they wonder why that why that individual probably never wants to go again. Right. Okay. They're like, okay, well, that was loud. The gun kicked me. Now that thing over there is dead. And okay, ooh, we got to go do what? And there was no challenge. There was no lead up to it. There's no woodsmanship. There's no learning. There's no nothing. And we're, we've got these two complete polar opposite um, approaches to trying to, quote unquote, recruit, retain, and, and reactivate hunters that neither of which makes any sense. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take all the fun out of it over here, and then we're gonna take all the challenge out of it, all the learning and all the amazing parts of it out over here. Why in the heck would anybody do that? So, Sean and I know Nick's sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's the quietest yeah, I've I, ever heard. Nick. I, I, I'm fine, boys. I've you're posing good stuff. You know the, uh, you know what for one. I mean, I think you hit on a good point there, Sean, with the uh, with the young man who was uber selective right out of the gates, and he had he'd already been. It's sad that somebody had already got in his ear, and he was hit by the wall of judgment. And you hear the same kind of wall of judgment by other hunters on social media all the time with the apology deer. Well, you know, it ain't the small, it ain't the biggest deer, but. Or yeah, the quote-unquote cull buck. Exactly. Oh, I took that one because it's a cull buck. No, you took that one because it made your heart pound, and then you walked up to it, and it wasn't Goliath, and now you're like, oh, well, it was just a cull. You know what? No, that deer was awesome because that deer made your heart rate get up, and you're like, oh, my God. You know, and then ground shrinkage happens, which, you know, hey, just admit it. I mean, I took one two years ago that was like that. He made my heart just absolutely pound out of my ears, and it was a great game of cat and mouse. And when I got up to him and went, that's an awesome little buck. He would have been great. <laughs> you know, was, that's, man, that was fun. You know, and it, what did he score? I don't know, but he's going on a wall in the bedroom because it was also one that I took the same year with a bear and a turkey. And it was, you know, that's kind of a season slam up here. And it was kind of cool. And it was just, it was an awesome experience. And I don't know what he scores and I don't care. I, I'm sitting here. There's just so many things. Uh, I think there's so many paths I could go down. I, the first one I'm going to start with is your your statements about, you know, the, the kid that is waiting on a mature buck and he hasn't shot anything yet. And I'm sitting here thinking, my God, at the lessons that that individual is missing. And now, he's also learning some lessons. I do want to make sure I get that through because I'm going to tell you, patience is a virtue. I no no argument from me whatsoever. However, I the first thing that comes to my mind is just how absolutely wrecked I get when I've got a mature doe or a, even a forkhorn standing in front of me at 15 yards. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and I've I've been I've been I've been I've been taking these things since I was what uh 18 i think it's the first i think that's right i got my first bow when i was 16 and it took me two years so yeah 18 years old and 
I mean, I and I've killed some. I've killed some nice bucks, and I can tell you the last really nice buck that I that it took every ounce of composure I had to pull everything together. So you know, if you've got a a kid that's doing that, I'm wondering, you know, it, it, when the moment of, when the moment finally of truth finally presents itself, can he do it? I wouldn't be able to if I'd never shot. Uh, I mean, that's just, again, that's part of that lessons that I'm talking about that, I don't know, maybe not. Um, I mean, if my heart stops pounding when I'm hunting squirrels, I'm going to quit. So I was going to say that, and then you opened the door. I actually was, I, I, I was going to say the same thing with relation to that kid. If, if, and I'm saying it's a kid, young adult, whatever it may be, if he's never shot an animal. And, now, see, and I don't know whether he had or not. Or ever uh, shot a deer. Didn't get there. You said he deer, never. I know he had. Right. Yes. So let's say he's never taken a deer and a 130-inch buck steps in front of him and boom, pulls the trigger, drops the arrow, whatever that may be, takes that animal, and he, it's just, you know, it's no big deal. In my opinion, that's probably not an individual that needs to be hunting. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think of it as a, in a different perspective. Where, where where I was really concerned is, okay, well, let's just say that one steps out in front of him. Like, and I've used this to analogy with bear before. When you see a really big bear, you don't have to ask. You know it's a big bear. You know it's a big bear. Just everything about that thing just makes you go, holy, that's big. <laughs> you caught, you caught <laughs> you know, yourself. That is, that is big. Yeah, I did. Uh you know, and it's the same thing. So let's just say that he had a buck like that step out in front of him. One of those where it is just where you just about swallow your tongue. He's going to be shaking like a big old peach pit, right? Well, and look, I, I hope I he myself is. Again. That's what I'm saying. And, uh, I hope he is. Well, okay. So what's likely to happen? He and now he's got absolutely no idea how to blood trail a deer, right? No, I, and I get that, and I don't want to sound overly harsh on what I'm. What I'm, the point I'm trying to get across is, I th- it, and maybe this is just me. Maybe, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm being too, uh, too judgmental. But I just know how I feel every time I get an opportunity to shoot. Oh, yeah. Every time I shoot, and how I feel after I drop the string. Every time. I mean, I have to sit down and hold on to my tree. And it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a doe or a buck. I, I mean, I literally get that that wound up every time. So for me, it equates to if you can if you can do that and you have no emotion over it, or you can control your emotions to where, hey, it was just another uh, another day in the office kind of thing. That I I I can't I can't relate to that. Yeah, I can't either. I I, I can't pass judgment on it because I have absolutely no no connection to that whatsoever i mean uh you know last year last year was just one of those years where it, it, i just started getting snake bit i mean i had i shot a bunch of trees a bunch of trees uh, should have doubled up on bucks and uh killed a nice beech tree instead um you know had a uh yeah it just just it was one of those like you have got to be kidding me, and then I ended, it was the first shot where I killed a beast tree, and then I had to buck literally run right past me, and I'm hunting with a rifle, and uh, and I'm laying on the ground prone, sort of. And I mean, it's just perfect. It's one of those where I'm laying there going, oh, this is just in the bank. Oh, just 
<laughs> and I mean, these two these two bucks are fighting. I mean, and they are. I have no idea how big they were. And I'm, I was hunting a piece of property where we try to take bucks of a certain size because that's how we we ended up with with the type of property that we got. But and I mean, these two bucks are just just wailing on each other for a solid three to five minutes. I mean, they're just locking up, pushing, shoving, spinning around. I mean, they're going at it. And I had no idea how big they were, but I'm like, okay, well, there's enough antler that I can see at that range that these these are not little bucks. And they have both got to be roughly the same size or they would not be fighting like this for that long. You know, just things that you learn over the years. I'm like, the first one of these two that stops and gives me a clear shot is getting shot at. Well, one of them, you know, they stopped and one of them is absolutely dead broadside. So I, you know, trigger broke, boom, and nothing i mean when i mean nothing i mean absolutely nothing was nothing on the ground kicking there was nothing running there was it was as if they had just vanished and i'm thinking to myself how in what just did i hallucinate what was in my coffee this morning you know i'm and i mean i'm looking i'm like where did they go and the next thing i know there is a buck running right straight at me and I mean, when I mean straight at me, he went by me at about 10 or 12 feet. And he runs right past me, and I'm looking over my shoulder. Now, remember, I'm still laying on the ground prone. I'm looking over my shoulder with my head cranked as hard to the left as I can. And I'm looking back, and he is looking like back towards where he was just fighting. Like, what just happened over there? That, that was weird. And I'm, you know, I remember thinking to myself, that is not a bad buck. So I just rolled over and snapshot and killed him at about i think eight yards he dropped i go over to figure out what happened on the first shot and i mean i have just absolutely heart shot about a six inch beech tree like, <laughs> oh <laughs> oh that explains it you know i'm like okay that that explains what happened there uh but you know and then you know then i a, another branch intercepted a, a round ball with, out of the flintlock that was should have been a doe in the freezer. But I mean, all of those, I can see, you know, I can see the, the, the sunlight playing off of that doe's back as she's stomping and, and ducking her head and bobbing and trying to figure out what that weird lump is in the tree. And, you know, I, I can see all of those things and it's, and I mean, my heart rate was up on all of them and it's, that's part of it. And I, that's, yeah, you know, I, I guess that's part of it. I guess, you know, part of it all is also the, the, I'm being non PC, the woodsmanship of putting it all together of like, okay, well, you know, here's why they come through here. Here's where the deer is going. Here's why bear are where they are. Here's when they're going to be there, you know, reading everything that's going on around you. And that's just, it's hard to explain. I know you two get it. Mm -hmm. I know you two get it. But how do you... The I think the only way that you you start understanding that is to do it. And, and you can't... You don't develop that by being an instant hunter, taking a deer your first afternoon out. I mean, I, I went um, a lot of years uh, without taking a deer before I broke the ice. And after that, it's just, you know, it's just kind of been a thing, but it's, you just, 
you you got to do it. You got to get out there and you got to learn and you got to be inquisitive and you got to. And I think that's part of why I've really gotten into to studying and hunting bears is because it's a completely new thing. And it will take me, if it's taken me 30 years to learn deer the way that I have. You probably don't, I don't have, have enough, enough years left. I, I wouldn't have an, I, right. You, you could give me those 30 back and I would right. still be behind the curve. And it's just, those are the things that I don't understand why we're not concentrating on as far as the experience for new hunters. The, hey, come here, let's check this out. Here's why this is happening. Hey, this is cool. Let's do this. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's, and then the excitement of, you know, the first doe that comes in and, you know, maybe it's got yearlings with it and you may or might not want to take it. It's your choice, whatever. But, you know, just all of those things that go into it or, you know, like it was growing up, there won't no such thing as a doe day until the last day of the season where you just see doe after doe after doe after doe and then you couldn't do anything. And then one day you could shoot them. There weren't any, which made you say really bad things you shouldn't say at that age. But, uh, you know, these are the things that we don't do anymore. And I don't understand why. And I just don't get it. Well, and I, I trust me, I don't, I definitely don't understand why I've thought about it a lot. Um, Nick and I have had this conversation before and I, I'm sure we've had a guest on when we were talking about it, but you know, one thing that I always think about, and I've actually brought this up a couple of times is if you, I equate it to watching a kid with a, a, a video game, um, you know, Nintendo game boy, whatever it is, you know, you, we, we, a lot of kids play these video games and once they once they beat that video game how many of them go back they're done right. with it okay mm-hmm. yep. and it's the same it's it's the same mentality you 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 without taking the kid through all of the the, the whole experience and and going through that that weight and if if you're worried about the kid getting bored kids are going to get bored that's okay don't force them don't you know don't don't make them continue doing something they don't want to do but find something else to occupy their time if if you're sitting in a blind with a kid and they're just bored out of their mind leave the blind go scouting yep do something get them show them something show them something interesting don't you know but to 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 set them over look uh, this has nothing to do with baiting i'm not a fan of baiting i'm not pro baiting but I'm going to use baiting in this example. You said the corn, the edge of a field, which is the same thing, but putting them in a surefire spot and letting them shoot. And I don't care if it's the first thing that comes along or if you know there's a, a, a Pope and young class buck that's walking in every day so that they get that instant success. In my honest opinion, you're doing that more for you than you are for that kid. Yeah. That, I would, I would tend to agree with you on that one. And, and it's a, now, I mean, there are there are obviously exceptions, and maybe we're talking about the exceptions, but there are obviously kids that, that, that it does click for. And you know what? Maybe those are the kids that are just born. I was born a hunter. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had people ask me, how did you become a hunter? Well, I, I was born this way. Yeah, I, I cannot ever think about not hunting. It just does not compute to me. And maybe those kids that just uh, instant success or whatever else, it just clicks because it has always clicked. That was just there. But those are not all of them. You know, not every person is that way. Not every kid is that way. 
and yeah, it's just like reading animals. You got to read the kid. And I mean, we can, we could, but I think that really also kind of goes into, you know, something that you and I have talked about before, Steve, this kind of a, a traditional mindset. Um, and I know that you and Nick are traditional archery only hunters and I'm not, um, I hunt with, as you said, anything legal, um, anything that I think I can make an ethical, uh, harvest with kill with whatever the term somebody wants to plug in there. Cause I know people have issues both ways, which just boggles my mind. I mean, the damn animals, pardon me, the animal still ends up on the ground. The word ain't what did it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, it, although, I mean, I have probably cussed at critters hard enough before that I may have, I may have wounded a few. Um, but you know, it's that mindset of, when I'm hunting, I'm hunting, and it doesn't matter whether I put my thirty out six in my hand or a or a inline or a flint lock or compound bow or or you know a recurve or whatever. When I'm hunting, I'm hunting, and you know it's it's still the same process. It's the same thought process, and 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 perhaps it's because it's the same general type of terrain that I'm hunting most of the time. But I'm still looking for the same things. I'm still looking for the same type of areas to set up. I'm still going through the same processes. And I'm still sitting in a tree or in a blind and I'm watching squirrels and I'm watching the woodpeckers and listening for owls and watching hawks do hawk things and, you know, raccoons come through. And I'm still doing all of that. What is what? I took out of the house with me doesn't change that process. Although my wife will tell you, and she is notorious for doing this, that when I walk out of the house and I'm taking my, my recurve, she goes, oh, you're going hunting? Yeah, I'm going hunting today. Uh, I walk out of the house with a muzzleloader. She's like, oh, you're going to go try to take a deer today? Yeah, I'm going to go try to take a deer today. I take one of the centerfire rifles out, and she looks at me. She goes, you're going to go kill one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going grocery shopping. And that's, that's, you know, that I guess there is a difference in that perspective. But I think also it's really more of a, a matter of the seasons and when the timing falls in around, around here than anything else. Uh, but the thought process and the, the emotions and the, you know, the, the focus and the way that um, if people have not heard Shane Mahoney's interview with um, Randy Newberg, and I do not listen to Randy Newberg's podcast much, but the Shane Mahoney one, which was episode four, is one of the few that I have recorded and, and saved. When he goes into the description of the alert man, when it's, you know, the wind means more, the, the sunlight means more, the, you know, those types of things you know, talking about how that is the only time that we are firing on all cylinders. If you're a hunter and you get it and you feel it, or you really want to understand how a hunter feels, go listen to him talk about that. Because that was one of the few times in my life where it's like that, yes, that right there. And, and it doesn't change based upon what's in my hand. And I know it's like that for you and Nick, you know, it, it really, 
the two of you kind of identify more with with the weapon that you're taking, but and especially you, Steve, I think if you were to pick up a flintlock, you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is cool because it's just as finicky and picky as a as a traditional bow. Yeah, yeah, and and I mentioned this before the before we started recording tonight. So there's, I would definitely lo- at some point I'm going to get back into hunting with black powder, and when I do, it will be a it will be a flintlock. I've never, I've hunted with. Uh, uh, percussion uh, black powder but never with a flintlock and it will be that and i even um in fact i've got a uh, i've got it on back order i i actually have a um ruger blackhawk 44 mag on back order i don't know when i'll if i'll ever get it but i've thought about getting back out and and hunting again with a handgun um i'll get the gun and i'll decide if i if i want to do that or not but it's funny you say that and the way you said what you just did, Sean, about, you know, you, it doesn't, the weapon doesn't matter to you. Um, and I will say this for me in the majority of situations, as far as other hunters, and I'm not even going to go into the exceptions to this rule, but I really don't care what other people hunt with. Um, and we'll leave it at that. I, I, I really just don't. If, if somebody is successful, I'm going to pat them on the back and, and say, way to go. Good job. Congratulations. And that's regardless of weapon or anything else, because you don't make any, you don't make any friends or allies by doing the opposite. But that said, a um, couple of weeks ago, I had a gentleman ask me, and I don't even remember how the conversation came up, but we were talking about hunting and so forth, and we'd been talking a while, and somewhere in the conversation, the subject of hunting was, um, hunting equipment came up, and I just made the statement that. It's been almost 20 years since I have hunted with anything other than a traditional bow, mostly longbow, but sometimes I'll, I'll use a recurve. And a few minutes later, the question came back to me of, I forget now how it was worded. It was basically saying, why do you only hunt with a longbow? And I've answered that question I don't know how many times, and I don't know why, but when I responded to that gentleman, I actually responded and then realized what I said. And I told him, I said, mainly it's because I enjoy the hunt more than I do the kill. I see that. And then I after I said that. it, I was like, I don't even know where that came from. I've never really consciously thought about it that way. But that's that's really it in a nutshell. Um, no, I, I can see that. I, actually, I absolutely can see that. And, and I mean, when I take... A rifle. It's not like I am shooting the first thing that I see. Right. That that is often not the case. Now there are times. Hey, if my wife looks at me and goes, "I want two freezer trophies," which is her her term for does. Uh, okay. Yes, ma'am. And out the door I go, and I I am not coming back until I fill that order because happy wife, happy life, and we eat those a lot. Um, but other than that, it's, it's a, yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I could have five or six deer come past me, five or six bucks come past me. And, you know, it just, for some reason, it just, okay, you don't get the heart rate up. You know, they're just kind of walking there, but you know, maybe one that comes by the sixth or seventh or 10th or whatever, there's some, just something different. And, and I know you get it. It's like, okay, at some point, something's just different, and that switch flips, and and everything changes. 
um, and whether it, and and that doesn't weapon doesn't really determine that. It it is something that I can't put my finger on. I don't know what does it. Um, could be my mindset. Could be could be the way the animal moves. Could be time of day, time of year. It, it who knows? But there's sometimes there's just that. Okay, now, right? Yep, yeah. I agree. I mean, I I don't think I'd ever that that would be the same for me, no matter what I'm doing, um, no matter what weapon I'd use. And I did hunt with a shotgun for a little bit. I basically, my wife wants me to get a turkey with in the worst way because she doesn't eat red meat, but she does eat turkey. She's like, yeah, I want you to get a turkey so we can actually cook it up and you can do it for Thanksgiving. I'm like, all right, you know. So one year I did take a shotgun out. And uh, I hunted with it for a while, and uh, first thing she said to me when I was going out the door was, "You know, you, you even know how to shoot that." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" <"Well." laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, it's a shotgun, but there's you a confidence you pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, there's a confidence builder. <laughs> I'm like, "I'm like, how hard could it be?" So you know, I went out there, and and turkey hunting to me is, I mean, no matter if you're turkey hunting, you're turkey hunting, no matter what you got. But you know, I, yeah, I, I, I saw one turkey, I shot at it, and I missed it. And I walked back, and I hung the gun up, and she said, well, you, did you see anything? I said, yeah. She goes, you shoot at it? And I said, yeah. You didn't hit it, did you? I'm like, no. And I said, if I can miss it, I can miss it with a longbow, too. I might as well be using it. So well, as, my buddy Ethan, as my buddy Ethan Roderick has said before, there's just something about a turkey that deserves to be hit in the face with a load of <laughs> shot. Uh, Oh, there's a, I, I think both John Bouchin and I would echo that statement for the last four years because we've been trying the trad thing for a while now, trying to get one, and we got the, the oath going. And I told him, I told him at the beginning of this year, I just said, man, why don't we just take shotguns? I'm like, oh, we, man, got, we, we got COVID. I'm like, you know what? We can break this right now. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, th- this past spring, I got my behind handed to me. Uh, we had... Um, two, three, if not four-year-old Toms that as hard as it is to kill one of them that age, these two did not go anywhere without the other one. And the only thing we can figure is they must have been clutch mates. You know, they must have just Mm. hatched together and grown up together and stayed together. But if you think one of those paranoid things is hard to get close enough to to kill, try having two of them that constantly pile around together. Now, at that, at, at, there was, there was one point where I was like, okay, look, I am, I would be, I would be completely okay with calling in artillery or an airstrike right now. Um, and, and, and it's interesting that I bring up airstrike because the other turkey that I should have killed this year, um, I have had lots of things mess up a hunt at the last minute. This one was a completely new one. I uh, had a bird coming up the hill. I mean, he was every third or fourth step, he was gobbling or double gobbling or triple gobbling. I mean, he was on fire and he was coming on a string and he was coming at a run. It was, the hammer was back. I was dead set. I knew where he was going to pop up. It was just like, it was in 30 seconds, 60 seconds tops. And that bird was in my lap. And of all things, a forestry spray helicopter flew over right at treetop <laughs> level going to a fresh cut that was a half mile away and it was one of those really a helicopter i just lost this bird because of a helicopter 
oh, okay. And it's, just, <laughs> it's like, I, I, of all the things that would have messed it up, I, I, that would have probably been the last thing that I would have po- come up with. But the helicopter went right overhead and I watched the turkey take off and pitch and out of my life he went. Now in Michigan, that would have just been a, been a, you know, an F-150 cruising by with the window down, hitting the brakes on the gravel and hitting the box calls as loud as they could from across the field while you had them all in front of you. Oh, I could hear I could hear other people calling. I mean, but this bird was like, he was, he, he knew that there was a hen just over the lip of that ridge and he was going to come up there and check her out. And he was going to worry about all the rest of them later. It was like, this one is right there and I'm going to go see her. And, and I guess to his, I mean, I guess in his little pea mind, the world's largest turkey flew in and he said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and away he went. But that was... All, I, all yeah. I have to say after Nick's comment is, y'all really do stuff different up here in Michigan, don't you? Man. <laughs> you know, back to our bring, – bringing it back around to the whole sharing the woods and ethics and morality and brotherhood, that don't apply to turkey hunting in Michigan on public land, man. It doesn't sound like it. It is war. I think John and I are the only ones that play by the rules. I mean, oh, if we, you want to start a fight in Virginia, <laughs> if you want to start a fight in Virginia about turkey hunting, just bring up the fact that rifles are legal. Oh, oh yeah. wow! Yeah, I didn't. I it's didn't like, know oh that. my god, that's dangerous. And I'm like, okay, well, show me where somebody's been hit with a rifle during turkey season. It, well, it shouldn't be dangerous if you're if you're verifying your target before you pull the trigger. Well, that, that's another. I, and I've had that conversation with folks before. And I was like, well, no, wait a minute here. So you're telling me it's more dangerous for somebody with a rifle with a telescopic sight that can see the target more clearly to shoot a turkey in the field than it is for you to go snooping and pooping around in the woods with a shotgun with a bead on it. Think about that for a second. (laughs) And it's like, well, I'm like, I don't care. Look, it's legal. And as long as it stays legal, I'm going to support it. And if it becomes illegal, then so be it. But whatever. And, you know, it's like this, you violated some sacred oath. It's, it, and I guess it's, it's kind of the equivalent of, a, and, I, and I'll go ahead and ruffle a few traditional archer feathers. It's kind of the equivalent of mentioning archery season with anything other than a, than a long bore recurve. It's like, oh, you've, you've broken the sacred rule. Like, hey, it, it is what it is, you know. And, and I know that, Steve, I know you and I have had the conversation before about the whole big tent philosophy. Um, and it's not just the, it's not a, and maybe this is where it kind of ties all together. It's not a weapon issue. It's a mentality issue. Yes, we've had the conversation before. Um, and again, I'm, 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 I'm trying real hard not to go down that path, Sean, but I, I, I will leave it. <laughs> I will leave it at, at this again, as I've said earlier tonight, I have no problem with the weapon. But I, I do believe that there were a lot of people that came before us that fought really, really hard to have archery season established because they wanted the additional challenge. And when you legalize equipment and weapons that remove that aspect of archery season, that's where I have a problem with it. And I'll leave it at that. 
I, I don't look, care about I don't, the weapon. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you on that at all. And and where I have a problem with the weapon as far as seasons is when you change the definition of what the thing is in order to make it fit. And I'm going to specifically talk about that air gun that shoots an arrow. Bingo. It ain't uh, okay. I can make a I can make a valid argument that a crossbow is at least archery. Not to me, you won't. Nope. I won't. It, 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 Sorry, brother. It, 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 it operates. It operates by a lever with us with a string, and it fires an an arrow, even though it's called a bolt. And the thing goes back centuries. I can at least, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but I can at least look at it. And go, mm, okay, mm, it's a. I can mm, make eh. I can make an argument that water's not wet, Sean. That doesn't make it true. But at no <laughs> point, at no point, can I look at something that has operationally an air rifle and say, oh, that's archery because the projectile is an arrow. Well, look, I I know of a poacher that was caught in Vermont when I was living up there that was firing arrows from a short-barreled muzzleloader, and they almost didn't catch him until he, you know, basically the warden rolled up behind him and it couldn't figure out how he was doing. He was using a sabo in a in a muzzleloader and firing the thing out of there, the warden said the thing kicked like a mule, which I can understand. I can, I can believe that, and it was, but it was ridiculously accurate. I'm looking at it going, okay, at no point can I look at that and say that is archery because of the projectile. Operationally, it's a firearm, or at that point, it's a muzzleloader, but same basic idea. Operationally, this thing is an air rifle. Okay, well, it falls under the same definitions and whatever your, your hunting regulations are for air rifles is what that thing is. You can't just change, you can't change the definition of the weapon to make it fit a season. Well, yeah, that, I, just doesn't, that doesn't work. And, and, and so we, we could start a whole other episode here. Um, and we are we are getting to the towards the end of where we have to wrap this thing up. I, I think we're going to have to have you back on just to have a whole hour discussion about this, Sean, because I honestly think, and I know, here's what I will say. I've had enough conversations with you about topics that would make a lot of people just get mad, stomp off, and end the, end the discussion. So I know we could have the conversation and, and not walk away enemies. And I actually might really want to seriously talk about setting that thing up because I think we could really yeah. have some conversation and go back and forth. And I'd have to play devil's advocate because I don't even own a daggum crossbow. I don't, matter of fact, I don't even think I've ever shot one. Uh, I can't say I haven't shot one, but I've never shot one. The only reason I shot one was basically to validate some of the, the thoughts that I have. I've definitely never hunted with one, and I shot it. Actually, I only shot it once. Uh, I never even wanted to shoot a second time. But anyway, that's that's a whole nother conversation. Um, and I, I I really do want oh, – I need to wrap this yeah. thing up. But a um, couple things I do want to bring up real quick. We You mentioned the Big Tent discussion, and Nick and I have talked about this multiple times. We talked about it some when we had our, our ethics uh, conversation a couple weeks ago. And you and I had this conversation – it was actually, I think, the very first phone call that you and I shared was talking about Probably. hunter recruitment and the big. I think I don't even know if I was calling it the big tent theory at the time, but it was. You were. It was really around, you know, the the same organizations that run around talking about how public land is overcrowded are the same ones that turn around and talk about how we, you know, we've got to recruit hunters, we've got to recruit hunters, and we had 
at that time, you and I had that same conversation that I've, you know, I've talked about here. You and I have had it again about, I'm a firm believer we don't need quantity, we need more quality. And do you remember what you said roughly the first time that I've, I've made that statement to you? I may or may not remember what I said yesterday. It was basically to the effect of, well, what are you doing about it? And yeah. I sat there, yeah, I, I sat there with my with my dog on foot in my mouth because I didn't have an answer. But there's a lot to be said to that. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way I do, the same way Nick does. Jason Samkowiak did a podcast on this and got a ton of feedback on it. There's a lot of people that feel that way, but I would put that same challenge out to other people that you put out to me. What are you doing about it? Oh, look, it's easy to gripe and complain. Absolutely. I mean, look, look I can – Lord knows I do my share of it, but – I have, as I have gotten older, I guess, I have at least tried to look at things and go, all right, well, if I think it's a problem, what am I going to do about it? And there are a number of times that as I have gotten into something where I thought, and this, for some folks that know me, this is probably going to go, I don't believe this has ever happened, uh, but it happens more times than not where I will get into something and I will start working on it from a certain angle where I think something's a problem and I'll go, you know what? I was wrong and and amend the way that I'm looking at things and, and you know I think that's something that more of us need to do as well look at things and go okay well I'm going to start trying to do something but if you get into it and you realize hey wait a minute maybe I was wrong really stop sit down think about it and go okay what how do I need to readjust because of things that I've learned now that I've become involved in it um and a, an amend your thinking. I mean, it there it there is no there is no fault for realizing that your original opinion or your original strategy was incorrect. There is inordinate amounts of fault for sticking with something that you have learned is wrong just because you're too doggone stubborn to admit it. Agree, hundred ten percent. Yep. I mentioned that I'm I'm hoping to get out the first time for the 2020 season this Saturday. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, the the young gentleman, I don't know how old he is. I would say he's probably 17. He's He is driving. He mows my yard every week, not because I can't mow the yard, but because he's, you know, he ran around asking everybody. He's trying to uh, make his insurance payments and pay gas in his vehicle that he drives. Um and he needs the money to mow my yard more than I need, and I need the time. So he's been mowing my yard all summer, and last last weekend um, he finished mowing the yard. I went out to pay him, and he said, uh, asked me if I still hunt on a certain area of public land close to the house. And I said, well, you know, I didn't last year, but I've been thinking about possibly doing it some this year. And he said, uh, would, you mind, would you mind taking me and showing me around a few things? There you go. No, That's cool. no, sir, not at all. So I'm actually going to take him out uh, midday Saturday, do a little little scouting as we go in. I've got a few spots that I've hunted in the past, and I've been successful on them, and he's going to get introduced to them. But I'm going in with a preface that um, we're going we're gonna to look for the sign and kind of show him a few things. And I may not even – if I get to hunt, it probably will be very short hunts Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning, but – I'm honestly and truly really looking forward to it. I wish I'm going to have to find ways to make more opportunities like that for myself. Um, 
I will tell you that having been the person, and we were all there at some point, having been the person that someone else took under their wing, I, I did not appreciate what a what a sacrifice that was until I started doing it, nor did I realize what an absolute thrill and an honor and a joy it is to to be a mentor for new hunters yep. uh, and to, to help them get started and go down that path. And uh, it is something that I wish I had started years before, but it is, I think it's the most rewarding um, the most rewarding efforts that I put forward in the, in the field these years, uh, these, you know, these, this time right now, um, that, and, and making a, you know, I made a pledge to myself a few years ago that the first deer I take every year, I'm going to donate. And I've been doing that for hunters for the hungry. Uh, and that, that animal is the one that I look forward to the most. Uh, and then, you know, working with, working with new hunters and, and getting them started. And I mean, it's just, uh, I guess it's time in life where it's my turn to start paying it back, and I and I'm I'm greatly appreciative of the opportunity to be able to do so. Well, I'm like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. This family, I've actually, uh, I guess you'd say, donated. I've given them a deer uh, probably every year for the last three or four years. Um, big family definitely goes a long way towards you know reducing their their food costs, and uh, I can't. I take three a year. That's that's pretty much my, my limit each year. I won't take more than that. And one of those I give away and the other two go in the freezer for me. I'm the only one in in my house that that, that partakes. So I just I don't need any more than that. But uh I'm I'm really, really looking forward to it. And as soon as he asked me to be perfectly honest with you, Sean, you were the first person that, that popped into my head because of that discussion we had. So thank you for that. Well, with that, gentlemen, I think we've kind of beat this to death. So, uh, Sean, really appreciate you being on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been an honor. And we, Thank and you. And we will do it again if you're so inclined. Oh, yeah. Now, whether or not anybody listened to another round of it, I'm not <laughs> sure, but we'll give it a try. I'm, Nick and I had fun. Uh, so Yeah, <laughs> so did we'd, I. We'd love to chat again. Yep, we got it. Uh, well, Nick, I'm sorry. you you pretty mu- We pretty much lived up to your uh, premonition. You didn't get to talk much, but that's okay. I didn't need to talk, man. This was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Well, uh, I think maybe the next episode we'll just we'll find something for you and I just to chat about. We'll get it all out of our system, all right? All right. All right, man. Well, for everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed this. We'll have another episode for you in a week or so. Take care, all.